Welcome into the Rebound Rundown. Today is Tuesday, February 21st, 2023. I'm your host, Paul Fritchner, and this is produced by Chatterbox Sports. This is your Daily Digest college basketball show where you can get your info on Cincinnati area college hoops every Monday through Friday in short episodes. Louisville was the only area game of the night last night, and they took a 17-point loss to Duke at Cameron Indoor. They kind of sort of kept it a little interesting, but Duke ended up cruising in the end to the win. Per usual, Al Ellis led the way for the Cardinals, scoring 21. Only two teams in action tonight. Miami has a home game against Bowling Green at 7, their second-to-last home game of the regular season. Red Hawks lost by 10 in the first meeting. The other area game of the night is Xavier tipping off at 6.30 against Villanova at the Cintas Center. Xavier remained number 16 in Monday's AP poll. They're the third four seed in Monday's bracket matrix update, and they're 25th in the net as of Monday morning. For more on Xavier and the rest of the local teams, I'll welcome on Rick Broering, the publisher of MusketeerReport.com and NKU's radio analyst. Rick, let's get right into it about Xavier ahead of tonight's game, where the Musketeers can sweep Villanova for the first time since joining the Big East. How do you see this game going down? Well, I think it. if you go back to the first matchup, Zach Fremantle made such a big difference for Xavier in that one on both ends of the court. On the offensive end, it was a really positive impact. He scored 29 points. They didn't have much of an answer for him, and, and he created a lot of matchup problems. And then on the defensive end, Villanova just went right after him. Cam Whitmore kept driving past him in that game. You know, he scored 29 points. He probably gave up somewhere in the neighborhood of 25 to 30 points himself as well uh, with the different guys that he was guarding in that game. Most of them Cam Whitmore, but but a few others as well. So um, it's going to be interesting how that plays out on both sides. I think Xavier should be better defensively with Jerome Hunter, in theory, probably matching up with Cam Whitmore. That should help there. But on the offensive end, will Xavier still be able to get as clean of looks inside as they did in that first matchup without Zach Fremantle? That remains to be seen. So I think this could be a very close game. I would give the edge to Xavier still, though. Sean Miller did say on Monday that Desmond Claude will be available for this game. Mostly the injury updates as we expected them. Cam Craft and Zach Fremantle both still out and probably out for the foreseeable future. And then Jerome Hunter, who had got shaken up a little bit at the end of that DePaul game, said he'll be good to go as well. So Xavier will be up uh, one player with Des Claude back in the lineup. How much of a difference, Rick, does that make? Of course, a team like Villanova having an extra guard in the lineup for Xavier. Yeah, it's going to be a big deal, especially considering Justin Moore is back for Villanova. So they have an extra bigger physical, more athletic guard in the mix. No longer will you be seeing Chris Archidiakno playing over half the game like he did in the first meeting between these teams. And that allowed Xavier to hide Sule Boom on the defensive end. So uh, who will he match up with in this game? And how many minutes will you have to play Desmond Claude because of that? I'm not exactly sure, but Desmond Claude being back for this one is definitely a big deal for Xavier in terms of being able to match up with Villanova. It's a pretty big week for Xavier this week. You have Villanova at home on Tuesday, and then you go on the road to play Seton Hall on Friday night. And that's a swing game for the Musketeers, especially for the Big East standings as it relates to what the Musketeers can do going forward for the Big East tournament. You split this week, and then you put a lot of pressure on yourself next week to go 2-0 and if you want to guarantee yourself a decent standing you know, looking ahead to to those Thursday and potentially even a semifinal Friday night matchup at Madison Square Garden. You're getting a 
maybe a bit ahead of yourself when you start to think about that. But as far as this week goes, it's pivotal that Xavier picks up this win against Villanova and then sets themselves up for a, a pretty big road win against Seton Hall. Yeah, the way I view all of that is Xavier's in a very good spot right now. They've set themselves up for postseason success. All they have to do in these final four games is maintain that. And the way you do that is you win the few games that you're supposed to win here down the stretch. That's a home game against Villanova and a home game against Butler. Both of those games are very winnable. You come away with those two wins. You feel very good about where you're at in, in the Big East tournament, but that's not necessarily as important as you're not going to lose any ground more than likely in your NCAA tournament seating. And as you talked about on yesterday's podcast, Paul, Xavier was recognized as one of the top 16 seeds in the NCAA tournament tournament by the the current NCAA selection committee and what that means is they're valuing Xavier's resume in the same way that most of us are and the same way that a lot of the bracketologists did so you know that Xavier is in a good spot right now they just have to finish off strong enough and that doesn't mean going three and one down the stretch in my opinion I think that just really means going two and two winning the games against Villanova and Butler as you potentially get closer to Zach Fremantle coming back in the lineup, whether we see him next week against Providence or Butler, or, or maybe we don't see him until the first game on Thursday against uh, whoever they play in the, in the in the quarterfinals at Madison Square Garden, how quickly do you think a guy like Zach Fremantle can come back into this lineup that has changed since his absence as far as the defensive ratings of this team have gone and everything else? The, the makeup of this team over the last three weeks has obviously been much different without the depth of him and now Desmond Claude. How quickly does his return uh, impact this team? Well, I think it impacts it right away. But the good news is you've proven that you can play and play at a high level without him in the lineup. So if he's not quite up to speed or if he can only give you 10, 15, 20 minutes at a time when he first comes back, you're in a good spot still. You know you can play with Jerome Hunter and, and give Desmond Claude some more minutes, and you're going to be just fine for the most part. So any minutes that he can give them in a return would be big, but I do think there is some doubt about whether he'll, whether or not he'll really be able to play through this injury down the stretch and uh, what type of percentage he'll be at in terms of how close to full strength. So, you know, will, will he be about 85, 90% of Zach Fremantle when he comes back, or is he really going to be struggling? That's the question we just don't have an answer to yet. Well, let's turn our attention now to Northern Kentucky. Huge week coming up for the Norse, Rick. This is the last week of the regular season, just two games left, both on the road. How does this week set up for NKU, and, and where do you see their prospects heading into the Horizon League tournament? Well, they did a really good job of getting the first win out of the way on the road last weekend. They won at Purdue Fort Wayne. That set them up really well, especially because a couple of the other teams towards the top of the standings in the Horizon League lost over the weekend. So that meant for NKU that their magic number is down to one in terms of clinching a top four seed in the Horizon League uh, tournament. If they're able to beat either Detroit Mercy or or Oakland, both of those games are on the road. But if they're able to win one of them over this the course of this weekend, then they will definitely be a top four seed in the Horizon League tournament. And again, that's so big because it guarantees you a bye in the first round of the tournament and a home game in the second round. So that, that's going to be big if they can pick up one of those wins. How open, and we can talk more about this next week before the actual tournament, but just looking at how the, the end of this regular season is setting up, how open is the Horizon League tournament? 
Well, I think it is rather open, but Youngstown State deserves to be recognized as the clear favorite. They're around top 100 in the Ken Palm standings right now. The next closest team would be Cleveland State at 175. So they are clearly the best team in the conference right now and have been for most of the season. They should win pretty easily down the stretch here. They have a couple easy games left in terms of playing at Robert Morris and IUPUI. Robert Morris, not not necessarily an easy win, but you get the point. They should be in a good spot there and secure that number one seed just fine. And, uh, you know, aside from that, though, you look at Cleveland State, NKU, Milwaukee, Oakland, and even on down to teams like Wright State, Detroit Mercy, Robert Morris, and Purdue Fort Wayne, who was the team that was picked along with NKU in the preseason standings to win the conference. All of those teams are going to be dangerous and tough outs when you get into the postseason. So we could see some wild things happen in terms of the bracket breaking unexpected ways. Got a question for you now on Cincinnati. Bearcats going going forward into this week have a big one against Temple because that would split the season series against Temple if Cincinnati can win this game at home. They'll be favored in that game. They'll probably be favored, I should say they will be favored in two of their last three games. Have Temple, then Memphis on Sunday before a week off, and then SMU the following Sunday. Rick, this Cincinnati team is starting to set itself up for a AAC run, which is what it's going to take to get themselves into the NCAA tournament. They just pick up their first quad one win of the season. But like I said, they're going to have to win the AAC tournament. Is there a chance that Cincinnati now is is starting to play at the level where they have that ability or and I know it's March. Anybody can win in March, but is Cincinnati turning a corner in your eyes, I guess, is my question. I don't know if they're turning a corner because they've been pretty inconsistent. I mean, you're just a game removed from that letdown at East Carolina where they gave up the lead and ended up losing at ECU, who's 214th in Ken Palm yeah. standings right now. So um, they've they've had their issues. They've been inconsistent, and they've definitely had some injuries that haven't helped either. I think the win at UCF, finding a way to pull that out, no matter how chaotic it was down the stretch of that game, just making sure you got the win there on the road and didn't let that one slip away was big for Wes Miller. It was big for the confidence of this team. So the one thing that's going for them is they've proven they can play with anyone in this conference. And that includes Houston. They played Houston really close earlier this season in a 75 69 loss on the road. That is a game that should give UC fans some hope that either if you catch Houston in the tournament or maybe someone else could knock them out for you. And in that case, you can play with anyone else in the conference, clearly. But even if you have to play Houston, you've already proven that you can stay with them. Now, you have to be able to string together some wins. And I don't know if UC has proven the ability to do that yet this season. But in terms of one game scenarios, I think they can play with anyone in the American Athletic Conference. And then one last question for you, Kentucky. Wildcats pick up a huge win over Tennessee. That's their fourth quad one win of the season. But two of those wins have come over Tennessee. And I I guess there's two questions for you, Rick. One, how big is the win over Tennessee, given the fact that maybe Tennessee isn't what we may have thought they were in the last few games? Their offense is really showing some holes. They having a lot of trouble scoring the ball. So I'll start with that. Do you read as much into, into these two Tennessee wins? 
Well, the metrics are what the metrics are, and the metrics say that that is a very good win, and it is still a quad one win. And when you get really granular into it, yeah, maybe the Tennessee wins say as much about Tennessee right now as they do about Kentucky. But in terms of a resume, it's not going to change anything. For Kentucky, those are two massive wins right now, and they are really helping carry the, the, the torch for UK's path into the tournament. And um, I think at this point, when you factor in the win at Mississippi state last week and the win at home against Tennessee, now you're looking at a team with four quad one wins. They are nine and eight against quad one and quad two teams, a, a winning record against quad one and quad two. That's much better than the resume was looking just a few weeks ago. And I think they are definitely on the right side of the bubble right now. And if you look at some of the other teams on that bubble, I think it's hard to see UK playing their way out unless they, I mean, just really completely fold down the stretch, lose out, lose the first game of the SEC tournament. Then you're, you really may be sweating if you're a Kentucky fan and, and you'll be afraid of bid thieves at that point. But as of right now, I would say Kentucky is solidly in the tournament. And if, you know, they win at home against Vanderbilt, you can pretty much go ahead and say they're in. Yep. All right, Rick. Well, we only have one last week of the regular season to recap next week, and then we'll look ahead to the, the conference tournaments and everything. So I uh, appreciate you coming on. It's been fun all year, Paul. I look forward to the rest of the way. All right. Around the country last night, West Virginia blew out Oklahoma State 85-67 to in Morgantown. Tonight, Baylor is at Kansas State at 7. Tennessee is at Texas A&M at 7. And in a game that could very well decide the Big East title, Marquette is at Creighton at 830. That is a huge one if you are a Big East basketball fan. Again, Marquette at Creighton in Omaha at 830. Indiana is at Michigan State at 9. And Iowa State is at Texas at 9. Huge Tuesday of basketball tonight. Paul's pick of the day presented by Betfred Sportsbook. Lost last night with TCU. Kansas played suffocating defense against the Horned Frogs, and TCU was miserable around the rim, just couldn't make a shot at the basket. Looking for a bounce back tonight, I'll go with Tennessee on the road, plus one against Texas A&M. That'll do it for today's Rebound Rundown. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your Tuesday, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.